welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. You don't have to read along with us, but be warned, there will be spoilers ahead. Right, how do we podcast? Um, uh, let's see. <laughs> Welcome to House of Always. House of Always, part something. Three or four. Part, we started at 222 and we ended at 272. Chapters chapter 25 to 30. There we go. Six chapters. Listeners, it's been like a month and a half since we last recorded, so... You know, we're we're coming we're coming back in fresh, let's say that. Right. And it starts off like immediately connecting it's funny that we we're having trouble starting because the chapters start immediately after Kalindra finds out that uh Jareth knew the whole time that she was with the Brotherhood of Assassins and still marries her anyway. And we open with her reacting uh, to it. Things aren't going well for Kalindra. Like she's having a capital B bad time. She's right on the verge of a capital B breakdown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like she wasn't doing well when she thought Jareth was dead, and now that she knows that he's a demon, she's or no, sorry, we find out that at the later later in this chapter, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like not only like. Is he dead? It's like, oh, he's dead, and he knew your secret the whole time and loved you anyways. And as as Galen says, because he was Jareth, and then later finds out that, oh, no, he's a demon. Yeah, it's kind of rough to um, immediately go from find the seeing the memories of Jareth saying, yeah. you're going to marry you anyway, to oh. Jareth as demon eating their friend, Soul. Yeah. But he was not, like, a big character. We're okay with it. Yeah, and uh, it was interesting to me, like, obviously the the power of Jareth's good boy soul uh, was was a, an important factor in this chemical equation here. But yeah, like, then also like, the fact that like, the first person he ate was somebody who knew him. Like, I wonder if something like this has ever happened before. And we, you know, we just... It wasn't ever relevant to the larger world, and so nobody ever really noticed. Well, certainly Zaltaroth didn't realize that it was possible. Because mm-hmm. in these chapters, we find out that Zaltaroth didn't mean for whatever Jareth turned into to happen. Mm-hmm. And she didn't mean for Janelle to realize that she could realize that that's an awkward way of saying it and she also didn't realize that jareth might still be a problem after he was a demon because he was clearly a problem before he was one which is an interesting fact yeah i thought that was really interesting when they were kind of like working out the backwards logic of like okay why would zaltaroth do this why would zaltaroth set this up it's like oh so jareth was a problem when he was alive and it turns out, eh, still a problem as a demon. Suck it, Zaltaroth. <laughs> and she tried to take care of it, and Janelle was like, I don't eat people. Which turns out to be, I don't know, pretty reasonable? Yeah. Don't know why anybody thought that would work, but <laughs> all right. 
wishful thinking. As of June 2023, the last released episode of this podcast, we were talking about short story collections, and I said I would read a short story collection set in this world written by Jen Lyons. You could, she could easily make a short story collection of different stories in different Zaltaroff timelines of like things that happened that no longer happened because Zaltaroff reset the timeline. I love alternate timeline shit too. Like I would love that. That would be great, but also really confusing. Yes. And I would love it. Yeah. It would, but also like, I guess guess it would be more Marvel. Like what if, or like yeah. in Harrow the Ninth, where the author was just like, instead of concentrating on the story, I'm just going to write my own fan fiction about my own characters. <laughs> it was definitely the vibe I got there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I could see it. I can see, like, a live Jareth becoming a, a big-time demon hunter kind of vibe. Yeah. Like, got real paladin energy. It really Have does. we met uh, the person that he ate, Havar, We must before? have. Yeah. I want to like I want to like go on my Kindle and search through all the books and just search Havar to see if there was a scene with um uh just to see like the impact of what happened here. I would not put it past Jen Lyons. In yeah, no. this is going to be your new Butterbelly. <laughs> <laughs> just just for turns Havar. out Havar was Butterbelly. <laughs> there we Turn- go. Turns out Zaltaroth had Butterbelly killed because Butterbelly was a problem in future timelines. I would love to see the one paragraph story about Butter, or like maybe actually the longest story in the collection. Butterbelly's like <laughs> terrible, Ascend- no good, yeah. bad day. <laughs> Butterbelly's ascendancy to the Emperor of Kor. <laughs> <laughs> it was like all I wanted to do was paint my watercolors yeah. and know things about stolen shit. Butterbelly was grits the whole time. And, like, it's interesting that for a while we talked about whether Janelle read the Chronicles or not. And now, because of these Jareff moments, we find out that Tereth only, only read book one and then quit. <laughs> because he had no idea about the Janelle, uh, Jareff, Demon, Zaltaroff right. situation. Yeah, I mean, Tereth doesn't Karen strike me as a good reader. Which I do find really funny. <laughs> yeah, I think he might have commented on that before. I think, and I do think that they do make a point later. They were like, yeah, like, uh, a lot of us read uh, the the latter two books, or at least like the latter uh, like A Memory of Souls, uh, while in the, in that kind of like two-week interperiod, while Tereth was hard grieving. They're like, yeah, he wasn't really up to reading at that point, but also, like, yeah, I don't, he doesn't seem like a book man to me. No. Yeah, you hand him a book, you try to hit somebody with it. <laughs> Which I respect. True. Janelle, too, a little bit. Like, obviously, they're both smart, but. Yeah, it's not like they're a uh, forte. Right. Yes. Janelle seems like she probably read books about military strategy yes yes janelle's like somebody who'd be really into like books on the roman empire yeah or like inexplicably books that are like cozy mysteries yeah 
Yeah. Or like the best way to siege a castle. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tarath reads like, uh, you know, just like airport spy novels. Yeah. Like, ain't nothing wrong with it. I feel like, I feel like Janelle and Dorna would have a great book club about the old ladies who solve mysteries. And Dorna's always like, why don't they cause the mysteries ever? Where are the old lady murderers? (laughs) And Janelle's like, this lady is clever. Should not underestimate. I could see Janelle in that period of time when she was with Talia, Talia getting her into really into erotic fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I totally, totally could. Yes. Well, and to be fair, Janelle, big horse girl. So mm-hmm. you know, the, the interlapping between fan fiction writing and horse girls is, is pretty intense. Yeah. All right. It's a Venn diagram. that's like an oval. It's like not quite a circle, but... Like, Janelle, like, writes fan fiction about all her favorite, like, horses and, uh... What are the names of the fancy horses? Oh. Firebloods? Yes, thank you. Yeah. She just, like, writes fan fiction about, like, (laughs) firebloods. I was thinking Firebrand for some reason, but... I was just like, they have teeth! What are they? And they're technically wizards. Yes! Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, still one of probably the greatest like footnote revelations in the whole series. <laughs> Why can't your carnivorous horse be a wizard? And they're like, well, I guess I don't know. Sure. Yeah, yeah etc. <laughs> just being like, why didn't we think of this? <laughs> Speaking don't respect of horses wizards, enough. uh Cone chooses the worst time to unveil his demon uh, ranking system when he's like <laughs> right. when they he's when like, they get awesome. out of the memories he's like oh my god this is such good news if they thought this was gonna hurt us boy did they have another thing coming and Kalindra's like ready to stab him and he's like oh did I not explain my demon birth <laughs> ranking system and Senera is like no, and you're this close to dying right now. <laughs> and then he yeah. explains how, like, Jareth is not supposed to be this sentient this quickly, basically, without having become, like, a hive mind of souls. Which is interesting. Yeah. 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 And I did really like the explanation of, like, how, because, like, in the Jareth POV, kind of, it was, you know, or uh, talking about, like, yeah, how demons become and how they absorb souls. I was like, oh, it's a lot like Talon. And then they actually do, t- they're like, yeah, like, demons are, like, what kind of what Talon does on a spiritual level where it all becomes this big amalgamation of souls, whereas Talon is, like, a big amalgamation of, like, memories and personalities. Mm-hmm. And also, I think in the last book, they explained demons kind of, like, I really love this analogy for this thing that doesn't happen, but it was, like, so clear. It was like, damn it, why can't more science writing be like this? <laughs> Where uh, they were like, okay, so imagine a demon, and, like, you eat something to fill up your emptiness, but it just makes the, the container bigger. Right. So that's why you're always hungry. Yeah. It's like, I really oh, love that that's scene. so good. With Rallis, and they're doing it while... This is a memory of Souls talk, but they're doing it while they're drinking. Right. And they're oh, yeah. well using bottles to drink. <laughs> right, right, yeah. That's a great scene. Oh, fucking grits, man. Such a great character. 
I hate him, but Relsvar oh, is a great bad. character too. Oh he's yeah, terrible, but he's a great character. He's like the great introduction of an anime villain instead of like a <laughs> Western villain, because uh, yeah. like anime villains always have compelling backstories. Like they're nuts, but like at least they're they're not like I must do this because pollution is good. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. See now, I'm gonna. Uh, I feel like too many villains now are. I feel like we've leaned too hard the other way, where so many villains have backstories that make them like, oh, great. I miss having villains that are just evil. Okay. Like, I want a villain that is like, pollution is good. <laughs> Gadrath, empirically just a bad dude. No yeah. sympathetic backstory. Like, even Theron, too. Like, Darzan. Or, sorry, not Theron. God, Darzan. Why? I keep well, I mean, doing like, Theron, this. kinda, yeah. I mean, uh, truly both of them. Theron, at least, like, was the product of an abusive household. Uh, Darzan, it seems like, was not, other than just, like, the general idiosyncrasies of being royal and being the capital city. Darzan was just a fucking monster. Yeah. It's why I like, uh, Ganondorf so much, because he's, he's just fucking bad. evil. He's just. They made him so hot in the new game, but he's, he's just like, there's no, like, big, deep backstory right. to why they, he's they evil. Ever, he's like, just evil. They don't ever try to, like, make hay out of the fact that, like, he's, you're spiritually destined to be evil and to, be, you know, to seek powers. Like, yeah, he bad guy. He bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah, someone told him he was destined for evil, and he was like, cool. Sick. Well, cool. he is Done. the rebo- reborn reincarnation of evil, so... Yeah, there you go. That's why he's evil. Yeah. He bad boy. <laughs> he didn't have a bad childhood or anything. Yeah. He crack horn and he okay. So, then we uh, transition to Galen's meeting with his two aunts. and Which goes so badly. So badly. And- Okay, I think we picked up on this also uh, when we were doing Memory of Souls. Happens like five minutes after Doc and Theron are there and like leave. Like they, Doc and Theron miss the Lysian gas by like 15 minutes. Yeah. I know. It's weird to think about. Like Theron was this close to seeing one of his daughters kill another one of his daughters and try to kill his grandson. I think like Theron even sees Galen when he goes in and he's like, Oh, it's yeah. Galen and his wife. They look so happy. Wow. And then he like goes to the ba- basement because Doc is like drunk. Cause he's sad about Sandus dying or something. Um, and then, yeah, but he doesn't see, uh, was it to, to Shenya? Is it, uh, how does the audiobook say? Is it G- G- Garcia, 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 Garcia. Okay. Yeah. He doesn't see them arrive. Which is for the best. He'd only find another way to beat himself up and make it so about himself. He's like, Galen looks so happy. I shouldn't bother him because I'm bad. It's like, well, you're not wrong, yeah. but like, try, dude. Yeah. In the planning stage for this meeting, Onlayer has like a great line and in my Kindle version, like, it's something like 125 people highlighted it <laughs> where like, Galen is like, I don't think my aunt is an idiot. And he says, uh, I don't recommend any plan that relies on an enemy's ability to yeah. not be an idiot. <laughs> yeah. That's very good. 
because you can plan for uh your enemy enemy being smart but planet planning for them to be an idiot is much more difficult yeah yeah i feel like and like in these books so often you know we're 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 up against Relosvar, we're up against Senere, we're up against get like these people who are so smart and have the time and resources to make their plans for you know, days, years, centuries. And then you have people like Garcia Dumont, who is like, What if I unleashed <laughs> a weapon of mass destruction in a bar to try to get a title? What if I massively try to overkill an assassination with yeah, a population? Yeah, destroy. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's offensive on many levels. Doing and... a war crime. <laughs> Good idea. Good idea. <laughs> yeah. How's this... Devon at it again? <laughs> I mean, she did get her sister. This moment and the later moment. I say moments of a chapter because, like, these chapters are broken down in point of views that are like half and half. They switch back and forth within a chapter. Uh, there's a moment with Javon and Carissia where I, I was like, oh, Darzen isn't the unique kid for being extremely evil. <laughs> Kieran is the unique kid for being extremely good because Carissia is like just like Darzen. And she even says, oh, I miss him so much. Right. And like the whole chapter with Javon, where they're talking back and forth, I got, like, huge Darzen vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Evil, short-sighted, more spiteful than capable. Profoundly narcissistic. But she also knows, like, Darzen, how to, like, put up the front of regular noblemen. Yeah. Yeah, she's a good actress. You know, she knows, like, you know, what is she... She, like, screams after the gas is released and, like, points at Gallon and, like, makes it look like it's him. And she was the one also that, like, freaked out at House Detalus, right? Where she was like, yeah. they're trying to kill me! Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to say, uh, Tashenya, what the fuck, girl? You should have known this was coming. Like, but you, you, you might be terrible, too. I don't know. We didn't really get a great sense of her personality. But, like, you hitched your wagon to this. Like, fucking, you deserve everything you get. Like, why would and you also, ever like, think what that she you would expect? not immediately turn on you, too? Yeah. it It's hard to feel sorry for her. I mean, she died horribly, but so did a lot of people who didn't deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, the whole system rewards sociopaths. Like capitalism. Sorry. It's not this podcast. <laughs> no, that is this podcast. <laughs> Just gone and take it, uh, yeah, take him Gallon's deal. Right? She even says it to herself. She was like, damn it, I should have listened. Right? Like, you got everything you wanted. But, no. No dice. Yeah. Well, she's too suspicious to believe that anything... Anybody could have, like, reasonable motivations. Or motivations that aren't hers. That's another thing about narcissists that's, like, really interesting and also icky it's like oh you assume everyone is like you you assume everyone else is a narcissist too it's like god that's a depressing way to live yeah oh this is also the chapter where we get the uh the reveal that shaloran is an only child but was raised with six decoy sisters so that feels like a retcon to me but (laughs) (laughs) that 
feels like someone it pointed that out. Does, but it also totally does feel like something that um, Callus and man whose name, husband whose name I never remember, Rick, Rourke, Rack, Derek, Derek, Derek. <laughs> I don't know his name. I don't know why I always there. think. I know there's an R there, and I always think the R's at the beginning. <laughs> uh, would do to protect their uh, not only their only daughter, but like the only daughter of two god kings. It seems both reasonable and also like it got written in after that. I like. I respect hey, it. it. Sure, whatever. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. I'm not offended by it. It's a good save. It definitely felt like, so when I watched, when I, uh, what was it? Oh, The Phantom Menace, when all the characters kind of looked like Natalie Portman, and I couldn't tell them apart as a kid. And I was like, why are those six people all, like, have trying to have, like, a great relationship with this six-year-old? Like, one for every year he's alive? It's so weird. I never thought about that before, but now... <laughs> I mean, I already didn't like The Phantom Menace, but now that makes it weird. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think it was creepy. Like, it wasn't, like, inappropriate. It was just, just kind of like, like oh, you're super interested in this chat. Yeah. Like, I don't find children that interesting yeah. when I'm important as a queen. Yeah. But, I don't know, maybe she's a nicer person. Anyway. There's a moment before the whole meeting goes down that uh, I wanted to ask you guys about. Galen and Cohen are talking about Darzen, and Cohn refers to um, Darzen as being insecure, and Galen is very, like, he's like, that's not the word I would use. Do you think Darzen <laughs> was insecure? Because I did not get that vibe I think that was Cohn being generous, because he didn't necessarily know what to say. Yeah, because it's like, I feel like Darzen was, seemed like very secure. Yeah, yeah. But he, there's like moments where his bullying sort of comes off as like yeah. something someone insecure would do. Yeah, I guess, yeah, like, Cone luckily only experienced, really did experience Darzen as a bully. Whereas right. for Galen, Darzen was a lifelong abuser. So you see things differently, I guess. Yeah. His story of how he discovered his witch gift is oh, horrible. Yeah. Horrible. <sighs> and also, it reveals the fact that, uh, like, Galen is still messed up because he, at this point, I'm pretty sure he knows that Kieran didn't run away. He was captured and taken as a, on a slave ship. Yet, whenever he refers to what happened, he still refers to Kieran as running away. Because he tells a story, he's like, after Kieran ran away, you know, my grandfather said, you know, Darzen can't abuse me physically anymore. So he locked me in a dungeon. And Theron was apparently fine with that. I'm sure oh, he yeah. wasn't paying attention. Truly. No. But just like Galen's still in that mindset that and we get that in the beginning of the book when Galen is selected as being part of the lighthouse to help Kieran because it's people that Kieran cares about. 
Mm-hmm. And then Galen's like, wait, why am I here? He's, he still doesn't believe both now in the present of the lighthouse and in these chapters flashing back that Kieran does not care about him, even though he knows that Kieran didn't leave him behind. He was taken. Yeah. And it's sad. It's really sad. Like, he might have one of the saddest lives of all of these characters. And there's some real competition. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's not a competition. It's just kind of like a bunch of broken people sitting around a room yeah. being like, you know, what's the difference between Relosvar and everybody in the room is... Relosvar wants to fix it for himself, and all these people want to fix it for someone else. Yeah. Galen is, like, still very close to his trauma, too. Like, a lot mm-hmm. of these other characters have at least had years and opportunities to move on, whereas, like, Galen's only, what, six, four months out from the death from of Darzan, his own death, like, the death, you know, the, the Hell March and all this shit that's gone down. Right. Like, uh, you know, and he's 19? No, he's younger than Kieran. So he's, like, 18. And he's, yeah. like, been abused his whole fucking life. Like, yeah, he's very much still in, like, the nascent stages of recovery. Right. And he he was able to get away a bit with his marriage. Yeah. But, you know, that's not... Between marriage and Darzan's death, those are just two more big events. Those aren't actually, like, fixing anything. They're just, like, patching over it. They're like, you know, it's like giving someone candy when they broke their arm. It's like, oh, I mean, this is delicious, but could you fix the bone that's sticking out? Yeah. Poor Galen. Poor Poor Galen. Such a sweet boy. Yeah, he is. To transition to something uh, more... Happy, I guess. As happy as it gets in a in a Demon King's <laughs> mind world. Uh, I love the scene where, like, they're, you know, Kieran's changing the landscape, and he makes a palm tree, and Tarate <laughs> is like, that's not what a palm tree looks like. And I, like, I feel like it's come up in the last couple of years on social media, like, how people think. Or, like, how people picture an apple in their mind. And it made me think that, like, it's not that Kieran is recreating a palm tree wrong. It's that Tarath and Kieran imagine a palm tree differently. (laughs) But just his, like, little snide remarks about, like, that's not, like, this is clearly not what a palm tree looks like. And Kieran's like, oh, yeah, uh, he says something like, uh, if someone told me I'd be running around the mine of a dark god trying to recreate my favorite memories of various locations, and Tarath has to, like, cut in, like, badly recreate <laughs> your memories. Yeah, we get some really excellent throuple banter in these chapters, because mm-hmm. now that they're, like, they're kind of all together... They're all kind of settled in what they're doing. And it's like, okay, like we have a task and we're going to go about our task and we're going to constantly sass and flirt whilst we do this task. It's great. And they're open about their past lives too, which is interesting to me. Because they, like, this has been, they they have to reconcile both who they were in the past 
as connected and who they are in the present. And it was like, I'm mad at you because of, like, can you imagine the kind of fights you have when you're like, you didn't do the dishes last life. <laughs> like, that's why people forget. Oh, okay, so this is where I had my uh, revelation for these chapters. Like, and this is, again, like something that I was not hidden at all, but I just never really sunk in for me. The fact that Atrin Candor lived for a thousand years. Like, right. I, you know, I knew, you know, obviously, you, you know, we know, oh yeah, Emperor lives forever as long as they are Emperor. And, you know, and like, obviously you can't uh, do the kind of conquering that Atrin Candor does in one lifetime. But yeah, like the idea that he lived for a thousand years and like, generally most of what we talk about in terms of like where the storyline connects up is the last year or two of his life when he's married to Alana and yeah makes an ill-advised attempt to take over the metal yeah oops but yeah like just yeah that idea that like oh my god he was he was emperor and he was yeah invading and murdering for a thousand years yeah I I don't think I ever really thought about that before the same yeah and it really struck me this time and then also the idea that like you can live for a thousand years and not even be in the top 10 longest lived characters in these books like not even in the top 100 (laughs) Yeah, just kind of like, well, you know, we've all got problems, man. Yeah, you have yeah. a thousand years of trauma, so do I. Right, yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that I uh, took from this section... So I'm, I listen to the episodes as they come out for the social media posts. And I often... It's often a very happenstance weird connection between an episode coming out for listeners that don't know there's a long time like our episodes that come out and when what we're recording aren't like lined up we we're these episodes are recorded ahead of time uh so an episode of memory souls came out last week where we were like trying to piece together the um Atchin Kandor, Alanye, Milagreese family line. And then now we're recording where Janelle explains the the Alanye, Atchin Kandor, Milagreese family line where she talks about Alanye had a son. And that was like, that's like basically started the the Milagreese family line that we know of right now. And yeah. then, you know, Tarendel raised the Milagreese son and then became... <laughs> f- yeah, it's and we, we're literally, in the episode that just came out, we're literally trying to, like, piece it together. <laughs> and now, you know, we're at the chapters where it's explained. And I will say, this is not the first time this has happened. This happens often, where, like, yeah. an episode of <laughs> uh-huh. ours will come out where we'll be like, we'll say something... And then we record, and the chapters that we read, that thing we were just saying, comes up again. And it is very weird. Yeah, yeah. These books have some magic gravity. Everything orbits around the same topics. And, like, weirdly around our haphazard recording schedule, too. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's why it's harder to reconcile, but Yeah. yeah. Do we know anything about... That was my weird revelation. Yeah. Do we know anything about the sun? I don't even know their name. I don't know. Like, that's why, I think that's part of what we were talking about. We were like, what happened to that baby? Um, I guess it just 
became the, the Milligreased. Yeah, the Milligreased progenitor, basically. Yeah. Derek Milligreased. Derek Milligreased. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all the Derek's out there that are listening. <laughs> Derek with a Y, so it's fantasy. And an apostrophe. Yeah. Why not? No, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> no more apostrophes. No more. Yeah, the uh, yeah, so the the Thrupples having a great time, honestly. You know, like best time they can possibly have, and then they get nuked. Yeah, they're having a great time on the couch, but before anything can get you know fun, alas, just the ultimate boner kill. Yeah, when your dark god alternate self comes in and ruins your. Three-way makeout session right. with your past life. Rude as hell, and like, yeah, not only just like a mooner, but also like scatters them all around the like crater, so they yeah. have to like find each other again. It's like, goddamn, go trudge back. Yeah, it does point out, and like, it ends up giving them information about the geography, which is a cool thing. Like, if you're working in a mindscape, it it is nice to have the narrative reflect the fact like it's not just they're in one place and it's a metaphor and then we move on it's like okay this constantly shifts it's really weird it's uncomfortable yeah also Thurbishar shows up again which always makes me happy yeah I know we had, we had he's uh, kind of absent in, in the first part of this book because he's just a spectral kind of thing for a while just checking everything out yeah what were you going to say Josh? Uh, before they get nuked, I do love, uh, Senere's note, uh, to summarize, in Teref's past life as Atron Kandor, his widowed wife, Alanya, who was one of Janelle's past lives, married Kandor's bitter nemesis, Terendel, who raised Kandor's son as his own, and Terendel, being an immortal Vane, eventually sired Kandor's reincarnation, Teref. And yes, it gives me a headache, too. <laughs> and that's, like, the most simple way of explaining it. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, a, there's another discussion before they get they get nuked, um, where they're talking about, uh, you know, they're dealing with the Thane situation again, where Kieran is like, you're allowed to hate her. And he makes an important note about, like, they were they were guardians and their whole their whole point was to protect everyone else and like Thane and all the guardians that sided with her like their vision or point I don't know, I'm, I'm searching for the, like their purpose changed from protecting everyone else to protecting their own immortality which was not the point yeah and kieran like explains that to Therese, who's still like there's still like lingering guilt for killing her but like or like him feeling like it's not right for him to hate her and i feel like that's a very um kid that has cut off contact with their parent guilt that is happens often 
where you like feel guilty for cutting them off, even though they were the problem. Yeah, but in this situation, he he, he killed. He them. literally cut. Her That's off. very different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And they they have a a good little moment too, talking like kind of Wraith thinking about Tarendel and like you know, how he didn't really get to know him and realizing that you know Thane purposely did it that way so that nobody else would have an influence on him. And they kind of like talk about you know he Tarendel was a good dude, like he was a good dad. You know, he he it was genuinely I think Kieran says something like he was genuinely a good guy who was perfectly happy for everybody to think he was the bad guy and he did the right thing in the end that like saved everybody. Mm-hmm. The number of flawed choices is always impressive to me. Because like obviously Thane's revelation was really heartbreaking in the last book, but it's also psychologically understandable uh and it still is despite seeing the effect it's like yeah she was scared like it doesn't make Mm. it right but it does make it comprehensible which is yeah just you know another testament to like the good the good character building here truly like her her actions also like still reverberate through the book even though she's gone which is nice like Tarith isn't like Tarith didn't like brush off his hands like well (laughs) we're good three weeks is all I needed yeah and Kalindra too like there's that later scene with her and Siobhan where Kalindra's Mm. like you're an abomination and Siobhan is like who told you that you're dead god like (laughs) (laughs) don't you hate her yeah it's it's literally the next chapter oh there you go yeah yeah yeah. like shows lions you know Uh, she plans everything. Good transitions, and I. F- this will be more of a discussion for the next time we record. But Kalindra, like, it's funny. She says she hates Thane, but she's like holding on to a lot of Thane's same beliefs. Yeah, yeah. It's like you, yeah, you can't just you don't just cut ties right away. Like it's it takes right. work. You know, unlearn a lot of pathways. And you gotta, like, suddenly you have to interrogate everything that you were just told. Because, I don't know, Siobhan, like, I like her as a person, but is she an abomination? I mean, she lives off eating souls. That's bad. That's not, that's not just vampirism. That's, like, that's permadeath. That's a lot. Well, she even thinks, she even thinks she's an abomination. Like, because she, she, like, laughs when Siobhan, when uh, Kalindra says it. She's like, you think I don't know that? Like, right, I know yeah. that. Even though technically, right now, she's not an abomination anymore. True. She just doesn't know it. Yeah, she hasn't been hungry in a while. I wonder why that is. Dun dun dun. And I do think it's like, I don't know if it's cute is cute is the right word, but how Javon has taken like Kalindra under her wing to like help her, mm-hmm. and then. Talia even like calls her on it later. Yeah. Like you can't you can't do to Kalindra what you did to the spurned. You can't just like use us as tools where people Oof. Which was a nice yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. It has a great moment that uh I like and it's a discussion in relationships that's I feel like 
in the last couple of years has been like a big sticking point, especially like, you know, there's a lot of relationship advice podcasts out now where Javon has this moment where she's thinking about what she did to Talia and how sorry she is for it. But then thinks to herself, well, I haven't said that yet. And then says it where like communication is the important part. Like Talia isn't a mind reader. So it's, it's not just her expressing that she's sorry through action, but actually saying the words. Yeah. And realizing that saying the words is important. Yeah, gotta have that follow through. And her apology is particularly poignant because we see how far down that, that other bad path she went. Yeah. Because uh, in the next little bit, after just learning <coughs> about old war crimes, Garizia... <laughs> Uh, Siobhan shows up and she's like, hey, my favorite person to make an alliance with. So she doesn't know that war crimes were recently committed, but... To be fair, Cone stopped it before it became a mass casualty event. Right. So, like, most people probably just heard, oh, there was an attack, or there was demons or magic, you know, at the the killing fields, or whatever they call it. Uh, Yeah. Calling fields. Calling fields, thank you. Uh, but yeah, like, yeah, for Javon to immediately like, hello, how's Dumon? I need some of your resources. In return, I'll give you horrible shit. Yeah, like, basically, like, betting the life of Gallon. Like, right. Yeah. Just because she needs to, yeah. to, like, do nefarious things to Shalora, and it's just like, yeah. come on. Yeah. Do you hear yourself? So that's rough. It's bad. But it does lead to Leah to one of my favorite scenes in all of the books <gasps> combined. Yes. So while Siobhan has gone down a dark road, Talia has taken a path directly to the slave pits and breaks a bunch of slaves out yes. <laughs> by accident. I love the, the, the description of it where she's just like, like going randomly and kind of like letting this this feeling guide her and the feeling starts to build and build. And she describes it as like a crackle in the air and like the feeling of potential, like as if, as if potential had a, a scent. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, I love it. It's like, you, we still don't really know what's happening, but it's like very obvious that something is happening. Mm-hmm. Which turns out to be the, uh, uh what is her name? Eshiva Mary? Uh, Eshiva Mavari? Mavari? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's how the, the audiobook says it. Eshiva Mavari. Eshiva. Little baby Taja! Who, yeah, the metaphysics definitely are like cheaty hearing the Barami, the Jeremy Barami. She's <laughs> like, I don't, so she's you, but you're not her, and that's Taja, but it's not. Yes. I just, yeah, I wandered off into a sprinkler. I didn't take my shirt off, but that's like... It's like a small portion of Taja. Yeah. Literally. Which is very cool, but definitely being on top of a careening wagon full of escapees, (laughs) like being guided under a randomly thrown bucket of, like, filth thrown out a window. It's Great. And it's on fire, Just and perfect. the demons chasing after yeah, them. Yeah. Turn right. <laughs> yeah. It's merit. Because, you know, worlds collide. And so it sounds like 
they've been oh another interesting revelation in that chapter was uh so like talia's like oh i had heard that you know there was this like organization that freed slaves and the the center's footnote is like there is who ironically is founded by the vishai but these people are not associated with them <laughs> they are associated with cone those parts yeah yeah, not working at parallel purposes. Yes, yes. That makes yeah. me wonder. So the Vishai were founded by Relosvar. Does he? Kn- he must know. I think so. That the Vishai seem like Quakers. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I actually don't know much about Quakers, to be honest. Pacifists. Very, very anti-slavery. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Quakers are pretty chill, actually. They're extremely chill. There was one person who. I forget. It was like in the colonial era, they had they had some kind of like they had a fever or they got hit on the head or something and they woke up and they're like, I don't have a gender and everyone was like, haha, and all the Quakers were like, oh okay, that's fine. What do you want to be called? And they were like the public universal friend and they were like, too long. Can we shorten it to Puff? And they were like, great. <laughs> that's awesome. It, it's one of yeah. Like, why don't they? If I had learned that in American That's history, a great Quaker story, I would have definitely paid more attention. But anyway, we were talking Quaker about Tulia. Yeah, I don't know if the. I think they're associated with Quaker oats. I think they are. I think it's like meant to be like in the style of the Quakers, which is to say, pretty bland. <laughs> I think they might be vegetarians too. I'm not sure. That like I don't that. know. I don't know. They're chill. As my Catholic grandmother would say, eh, Protestants. <laughs> I did not grow up learning a lot. Having just come back from Ireland, man, the fucking insane shit that different flavors of the same religion will do to each other is Oh my bonkers. god. Bonkers. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't get it. I'm over here. You guys agree on 90% of the same shit. Yeah. Wild. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Tal- Tali's got a little uh, mind friend now, and it freaks everybody out. <laughs> Especially Kalindra. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people are seeing things that they shouldn't be able to see in various shades of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you shades know what? Of discomfort. How is that, how is that weird? Compared to everything else right? that's happened to him, like they're in a lighthouse that is like slower yeah. in time than. <clears throat> There's eight dragons, like yeah. of all the things that are strange, like. Not to mention, like, while we in this book haven't gotten really to that discussion yet, uh, many people in this book are already aware of the concept of the Grails and like what that is supposed to mean and. We know that Talia had Tasha's Grail. So it's like, come on, you got, like, you know, we can put two and two together here. This is probably a good thing. I do love those little moments of like non-connection, though. Just kind of like the things that people think are weird are so context-dependent, <laughs> and it just it's really delightful. Yeah, it's like, no, no, we're all cool with the fact that like. Uh, the Dark God of Annihilation has his leg out in the basement. <laughs> right, he's slowly... You're seeing the ghost of a dead god. That's weird. 
Now we're concerned for you and your mental yeah. state. We're concerned for Kalindra and her mental state because her husband actually, in factually, is a demon. And he's here. And she's sad. Us. Yeah. So sadness and insanity. Mm-hmm. Two very different responses. Yeah. Um, and, and also, it's, it's not been that long since her god died that she was an angel of, mm-hmm. which is very different True. from just worshipping. True. Yeah. Uh, going back to Javon and Calendra a little bit. Uh, also, her kid's in danger, also, too. Somewhere. Also, like, yeah, in danger, but like frozen in time, kind of. But right. uh, in a monastery being attacked by a kraken and a dragon, so not mm-hmm. great. Yeah, Calendra has a rough, She's which a makes time. me like, I try to I try to give Kalindra as much empathy as I can, yeah. but she's mean to the characters I like. I know, but she's also debatably the most normal person in this room, which is saying a lot, but yeah. Um, was it, oh, the, okay, so there's the scene where uh, Kalindra and Javon are like in the room and the door disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a, I really like that scene just because it was a good scene between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Like, Javon admitting, like, yeah, my husband got what was coming to him. Um, and I do think she's still being a little uh, rose-tinted glasses about her son, where she's like, no, the only thing my son was guilty of was letting a pretty girl turn his eye. I was like, mm, your son was kind of a dick, too. But I'll, I'll give you that one, Javon. Um, but, like, the, the, the fact that the door comes back after they have this kind of moment of clarity and understanding with each other, I'm like, mm-hmm. come on, people, pick up the hint. Like, when you're negative <laughs> Nellies, the doors disappear. When you're Reasonably, when you do your therapy, you do your CBT, the doors come back. <laughs> yeah, and I like that Javon realizes that. Like, she's like, says a remark about, oh, just when Kalindra was going to say something real, the door comes back. Also, anyone that, like, hangs out with Darzin in, like, a frat boy situation I, can't be no, that sorry good. about it. Like, yeah, you are not, yeah. uh, you are not an innocent, precious angel. Who got seduced by a, uh, a dastardly woman? Yeah, it is interesting to me. I'm glad that the characters have these complex kind of blind spots, and also it's interesting to me that given the level of carnage in these books, like would I say that hanging out with a bunch of douchebags is like cause for death under normal circumstances? Like, no, obviously not. But here in these no. books, where death just gets meted out for like any reason or no reason at all. It's just kind of like, well, I'm not sad that that character died. We gotta, we gotta save who we care about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta hold them real close. Yeah. And then they make the great decision to go to sleep. Yeah. They need sleep. I support this. I love To be sleep. fair, oh, they, uh, they go to sleep after Galen and Cohn have a little uh, conversation oh, about their, yeah. their uh, sad and forbidden love. Oh my god, that that whole That's brutal. Yeah. Cone is so messed up. Yeah. 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 I love that Galen calls him on it. He does, yeah. And he's like, You're idiot, he's like, You're beautiful, you're smart, you like my poetry, not a lot of people do. Uh <laughs> my wife loves you, which is very important. And although she when he says something along the lines of like Although, you know, Shalor and loves a lot of people that she thinks she can, like, mother him. And then also, like, goes out and says, like, we don't have sex. Me and my wife, our our relationship is not sexual. Like, just to be clear here. And, like, this isn't, and what's 
This isn't the first time Cohen is hearing this. Yeah. Oh, he, like he the knows. The first all time this. he was, the first time he was told this, he had a. I, I think it was Relish Var that told right, him. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Cohen looked at Shaloran, and Cohen is clearly. Uh, I I don't want to do any bisexual erasure. I'm pretty sure Cohen is bisexual or or pan because he's attracted to Shaloran also. Because, or something. Yeah. Or something. And because like he looks at Shaloran and in that scene and he goes, there's no way that Galen is not sleeping with Shaloran. He doesn't use those exact words, yeah. but he's in denial about the whole yeah. them being married but not sleeping together situation. Yeah. And even and then Galen tells him straight up and he still doesn't believe it. That that deep internalized hatred. But yeah, and I will say, like, I mean, Cone does have a point to a certain degree too when he talks about like, you're a high lord. We can't like walk down the street and be together. But that point is also like kind of buried in like what Galen says about like no you you believe what you believe because Kurt taught you not because Willisvar taught you or because your faith teaches right. you these things like you you're letting yourself hold you back you're, and you're using your your faith or your quote unquote vows as a crutch yeah both are true but but at this point Cone has been there for all like all the flashbacks have already happened including the one with where. First of all, he he's only a high lord because Garizia killed her sister and tried to kill him. Otherwise, he would have already abdicated being high lord. And two, they've already been in various situations where where uh, Conrad realized that Galen is not like that. Yeah, he on that river in Egypt. Yeah, there's a lot of sad moments in these chapters we're reading. And, like, this is, like, one of those sad moments where, like, it's really sad because it's, like, this quiet character moment. It's, you know, it doesn't have to do with, like, dragons and magic and even, like, abusive childhoods and shit. It's, like, this mm-hmm. is just a quiet, sad moment between people and, like, that could happen and does happen in our world all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like before this, Cone was like, he was a main character, but not quite. And we don't have like a full, we didn't, we didn't get like, we got Janelle's childhood and we got Kieran's childhood and Therese's childhood. We don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of Cone's childhood that, like, we don't have, we have like a general idea, but not like anecdotes about Cone's childhood that made him this way. Besides what we know of Korra. Yeah. And then they go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. And then they all (coughs) hope it'll get better in the morning. Which, in their defense, it might. They don't. (laughs) It might. As someone who read ahead, they don't. (laughs) We're we're not not quite halfway through the book, so yeah, I feel like... It's, uh, things continue to get worse before they get better. Yeah. But there are interesting moments in the, uh, the Val Karoth world where we get that little bubble of jealousy. We're like, uh, we, we learn a little more world lore too. We learn about like 
the first city on Nithral a touch and like mm-hmm. kind of like yeah what was going on with Sindral and Sarek and uh what was the the third person the anyway Sindral's lover yeah the lover Sindral's yeah. lover and like yeah they like yeah uh interesting that uh, like when when the memory like overtakes Kieran, he sees Teraith as that person. Mm-hmm. And Dawson, that's how they say it Thank on you. the audiobook. Oh, okay. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Uh and then yeah, like the bit where Teraith points out, he's like, Well, you can't be jealous of something that you don't secretly want. So we know that Volkaroth wants love. And that's a real like light bulb moment for them. Yeah, they're getting somewhere with yeah. this. It's not just them hopping around. Yeah, yeah. I, interspersing I, violence. I got a real vibes in these chapters of like pieces are starting to come together and and, and people are starting to like put put things together and like you you can see the shape of now the the kind of like going up the hill. And I like how Slowly. they like transition in the bubble from it's like here they're just walking. And Janelle and Teraith are walking close together, and Kieran is, like, Kieran is starting to get uh, jealous, and then it transitions to Sarek's memories of this, and then like Kieran is sort of like lashing out at uh, Teraith, thinking like it's sort of like a weird blend because we're already past the point of like. Kieran and Teraith are together. Kieran and Janelle together. Teraith and Janelle—they're a throuple. All, yeah. But mm-hmm. this is like a throwback to when yeah. Kieran was jealous of Teraith and Janelle, but it's actually not because this is a Sarek situation. Yeah, we're finally getting some. I feel like this book should almost have been called "Memory of Souls." I know I probably said that last time, I and I know <laughs> I know that it's. It makes sense why the last one was, but yeah, yeah here we are. Yeah, I although I would argue that like that could probably uh, equally apply to like almost every book in this series. That's true. But yeah, it was the last book where they awakened those memories fully. Yeah, the yeah. traits have always been awake. I guess the last book, it's hard to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. a horny elf like. Kingdom fight is a little, <laughs> just, doesn't have the same rings. So. Yeah, it was the last book where Janelle figured out that she did, or was it was it earlier in this book, or was it in the last book where Janelle realized that she did that to Teraith? I think it was. Last. Oh yeah, it was. It was the last, it was the last book, book where yeah. they have that where they're in oh, the bedroom yeah. with Kieran, mm-hmm. and she realizes, oh, I'm the one that awakened the memories in Atrin Kandor. And now that's why Teraith is the way it is. Yes. Because they just, because then they just go do the same thing to each, to each other, Janelle and Karen. Again, it gets very recursive very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird, though, when, like, Janelle and Kieran, and I guess, like, that early, it's weird when they talk to each other, like they are the people. Because Janelle goes, like, I thought you were okay with me taking the other lover. And then Kieran's like, I thought I was too until... And then he points to the blob of jealousy. And I'm like, you're not those people. 
Yeah, and like the bit they're like t- they're like comparing body counts, basically. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're fully like yeah they they're fully like amalgamated like they just say I I I. Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they'll say the person's name, but like yeah they they've uh, really absorbed it all into their consciousness now. There's like an extra epilogue. Jen Lyons could write where there's just like one sentence and like and then they all got therapy. Because <laughs> <laughs> boy, they need it. You have to find a therapist that specializes not just in throubles, but in like throubles and past lives. Yeah, that seems hard. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Kieran's still dead. <laughs> keep forgetting Damn. that part yeah okay so post traumatic stress <laughs> yeah find Kieran in a new body yeah yeah we need this therapist yeah they're, they're gonna need a thruple of therapists they're gonna need like, like a, whatever that is an imperial uh, stipend from Tyenzo to pay for <laughs> <Yeah>. this therapist <laughs> to be fair they deserve it they do they do they've worked hard that's a good point yeah, that should be a new norm. I would like to see, like, oh, you get one boon from the king. My lord, I want free therapy. Yes, yes. That's you know, what the castle, emperor does. That would be cheaper. For the, the, that's what the emperor's new role is. You're just, like, the, the entire empire's therapist. Because you have, like, <laughs> time to learn how to do Chris takes, like, an online course to, like, become a therapist overnight. He, like, you know, has, like, the printout yeah. that says, I'm a licensed therapist now. <laughs> Everything he says, he'd be like, get over it. Yeah, Yeah, honestly, Gris would be like, drink more and man up. Have you thought about resurrecting the worst person? (laughs) It's a solution. I didn't say it was a good solution. I said it was a solution. Gris would be like, yeah, that sucks, but have you experienced, like, the death of your entire race? uh, (laughs) Crossing over from one universe to the other and Everybody becoming aligned with the universe except for you. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's that's all I got. It was, it was nice to dive right. back into the well. I do feel like this is one of the few, like there, there's moments where we like end the chapters that we read on like oh like it's a big conflict moment or a big like uh, this is where the the situation changes from good to bad. This is one of the few like sections of chapters that we read where it ends so sad. Yeah, yeah. Like, just sad. Yeah, you know it's well, like Sarek's sad, Galen sad, Cone sad, Kalindra's sad, Javon is just getting over being sad. Talia is like a little. Everybody's sad except for Cinderay. Yeah, and Cinderay's probably secretly sad because Thurbishar's not around. Oh, that's true. Yep. Yeah, only the oh, we didn't even happy. talk about the the body, like oh <laughs> yeah, the Valkarth playing like, like musical uh, chairs pranks. Yeah, <laughs> and then like I love it that how they explain it, where he's like Valkarth just wanted to show that we were getting too safe. Yeah, yeah, just mess with us. What a dick. Yeah. Anyway, Christina. What are you reading? I'm currently reading Witch King by Martha Wells, which is very good. It's got real murder bot vibes. It's definitely a guy who 
kind of wishes that he was just chilling, but instead has to defeat an empire mostly by himself. So Bummer. sucks. Do but the like book's very sometimes. good. Steph, what about you? Oh god, I thought I was going to do so much reading on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was like, I'm gonna finish Empire of Exiles. I'm gonna finish uh, some desperate glory. I'm gonna start a new book. No, I did not finish a single book. I think I I made I read like a decent chunk of Empire of Exiles, but I didn't finish it. Uh, so yeah, I'm still on those two books, and uh, yeah, as we were, we were talking before, this is like oh crap, like I got like two books that I need to read for reviews for August, and like August is two months away now. It's like oh crap. <laughs> You need to get my shit together. What about you, Josh? I just finished uh, The Sword Defiant by Gareth Hanrahan. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. Uh, basically, it's like um, nine heroes defeated a dark lord and um, one of them died killing the Dark Lord, and now 20 years later the eight remaining heroes are, like, trying to... The Dark Lord, like, had this city that used to belong to the elves, and then he took over and did a lot of, like, weird necromancy experiments, and now the eight heroes are remaining have to, like, sort of govern, and it's like there's a George R. R. Martin quote where he criticizes Lord of the Rings, where he said... He wanted to know what, like, Aragorn's policies were after the books. This is kind of like that, where it's, like, it's not the fallout. It's, like, how do you... How do a heroes become, instead of, like, just an adventuring party, how do they become leaders yeah. afterwards? And they all mm -hmm. have their... Like, the party consists of, like, a dwarven... A dwarf fighter and a barbarian and a and uh, uh, a rogue and a fighter that has a talking evil sword and there's like a and a, a changeling and they all like have their own motivations and things aren't like cut and dry and there's like a plot hook early on that makes it like the guy with the talking sword is the main character and there's a plot hook early on there's like what if he can't trust the other remaining heroes. And it's, it was very good. I just well. finished yeah. that. And I'm also reading, now I'm reading uh, The Archive Undying by Emma oh, Miko yeah. Candon. Uh, I really think this book is going to be this year's uh, Gideon the Ninth. Ooh, um, wow, high praise. <laughs> it seems like the way I explain it is that um, there used to be a society where people worshipped AI as gods. Like, they each had, like, a different... And the AI, I can't remember them all, but they have, like, really cool names in the book. Where And, like, the AI basically took care of them. And then something happened that corrupted all the AI. And so all their gods died. And now they're living, like, a post-civilization where, like, the people that were, like, connected to the AI have become like inhuman robot monsters. And they're sort of like 
just trying to uh, survive. But the main character seems to be also connected to an AI, and if the and uh, is in sort of like a groundhog situation where a groundhog day situation where he's repeating things. Also, the book's very gay. I'll just nice. say that. Nice. Uh, I'm also reading the Combat Codes by Alexander Darwin. I've only just started it, but it seems very much like a fantasy wrestling sort of, where Ooh. there's sort of like underground combat rings. I feel like we've been saying for a while that somebody should do like a fantasy wrestling book, so I'm glad somebody finally did. Is it like also- wrestling though, or is it like high school wrestling? Is it like spectacle or is it like sport? I think Fight Club would be the okay. better okay. choice. Where like, like MMA sort of or like something. yeah, kind of. Okay. I only just started it, so I don't know the full details, but it seems good so far. Nice. Um, I'm also reading Translation State by Anne Leckie. Um, I'm only at the beginning, so I don't fully know what it's about, except that. <laughs> um, it's science fiction, and um, the there's sort of like a different point of view characters that are translators for, they work as translators for the aliens that have like sort of like peace with the humans, and one of them gets murdered, and then the others are trying to figure out before it becomes like uh, a huge diplomatic situation. And then on deck, I also have... Uh, the Traitor by Anthony Ryan, which is the third book of the Covenant of Steel series. Uh, if you go to geeklink.com slash reading, you can read the uh, first two books I reviewed, uh, The Pariah and The Martyr. And this is the final book of that series. And even though I had these June and July books, or May and June books to read first, I did like start a little bit of that and I'm very excited because it seems like everything the first two books set up is I'll just I'll spoiler alert at the end of the second book the main character and the female lead finally hook up after you've been waiting for them (laughs) and and they hook up right after she murders a, a high ranking priest in their religion and they're basically they basically uh have sex covered in that person's blood (laughs) the the third book opens up you know post coitus (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good opener i won't lie that's that's good good. let's give the people what they crave and uh yeah and i have you know more books on deck to read that's a lot yeah and also, yeah. Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. yeah, that just came out. Listeners, I'm surprised Josh has read any books, let alone like the six that he just uh, read. Just, mentioned, just yeah. talked about. So, yeah, you must not be sleeping a lot. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and, uh, so you can check out those reviews at geeklink.com slash reading and follow me on Twitter and Twitch at four of five wits. Uh, Christina, where can we find you? 
you can find me on Twitter, kinda at Oladdy Girl. I can be found at all of the sundry internet places at Steph O Kingston. Oh, and I have a plug because Jen Lyons got back to me. Uh, she said we can plug her Patreon. Uh, so obviously we love A Chorus of Dragons and we love Jen Lyons and we've talked to Jen Lyons, so we're very biased here. And I want to clarify that we are not making any kind of uh, money or any kind. We, this is not any kind of reciprocal thing. Uh, and she has not asked us to promote this at all. We asked her if we could. Uh, but Jen Lyons has a Patreon now. Uh, so it's patreon.com slash Jen Lyons. She's got a couple different membership tiers. Uh, they're all really cheap. They're all under, they're all under $10 Canadian a month. So I, they're easily under probably like $7 US a month. Um, different fun things like just from a thank you to a discord server which again full disclosure we're already in um so if you want to hang out with us you know um and then up to uh access to her chorus of dragons wiki uh early access to stories content things like that i believe at some point she's wanting to do t-shirts so uh, if you like Jen Lyons and you want to support her and give her the ability to write more books, because boy, howdy do we, uh, check that out. Yeah, I think I'm going to subscribe. Uh, but yeah, I think that's all I got. Right. Okay. This episode is over, <laughs> as was foretold. Books. books. Thank you for listening to No Page Unturned, part of the Geekly Inc. podcast family. You can now find us on Blue Sky at No Page Unturned. Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and our cover art is by Mango You Art. 